Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending where you are in the world. Apologies um, for the delay. We were just working through some um, technical issues. Um, my name is Naledi Cabo. On behalf of the Africa Tourism Association, please welcome to the Exchange's CEO Town Hall. The Exchange Africa was born in the midst and in response to the exceptional circumstances as a result of the coronavirus pandemic on the hospitality, tourism, and meetings industry. While we're unable to interact live, we're taking this time to further our education, develop new skills, and connect virtually. So the exchange really serves as the platform to bring all of those resources together and features a series of conversations that focus on Africa travel from various perspectives. During today's town hall, we have partnered with Voyages Afrique to engage leaders from Ghana, Kenya, South Africa, Uganda, and Zimbabwe who will address your pressing questions and issues that have been put before them by travelers, biz business, and industry leaders. Please note Seychelles, which was previously scheduled to join us, will be featured in our next town hall next month. Um, in order to mitigate potential technical and connectivity issues, we have taken questions in advance and will be taking questions during the session. So please be sure to drop them in the chat or Q&A. If we don't get to your question, we'll do our best to follow up accordingly and um, follow-up information will be shared um, following the discussion. Without further ado, allow me to turn it over to your host for the town hall, Voyages Afriques, publisher and CEO, Kojo Bentham-Williams. Kojo, Welcome and thank you for your facilitation. Thank you very much. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever that you be, thank you for joining us. And let me start by thanking our CEOs who took time to be with us because I know we've been very busy with uh, webinars, meetings, and engaging with the trade to ensure that we can start uh, tourism. Uh, with that, I do, what I'll do is that I'd like to introduce and uh, <clears throat> for our participant, uh, we have. Lily Ajarova, she is the CEO of the Uganda Tourism Board. We have Sisa Shona, he is the CEO of the South African Tourism. Mr. Akwesia Juman, Ghana Tourism Authority's CEO. I give more Chizizi, Zimbabwe, and then to Kenya, Betty Adero Radier, doctor. Thank you for joining us. Um, I would like to give you the floor, Sisa for you to give us in two minutes an overview of what has happened or what is currently happening in South Africa. Two minutes or two hours? Uh, Not two minutes. Good day. <laughs> good day. Thank you very much. Um, look, obviously, I think the whole pandemic around COVID is, uh, is a global pandemic. And uh, South Africa is no different from being, uh, you know, impacted by it. Um, you know, if you look at the phases that we've all had to go through, the first one was one where we had to come into immediate action, and it was about preservation of life. It was really about going to a lockdown, and we've been in lockdown since 26th of March. And uh, what we've done is South Africa follows uh, a level-adjusted strategy and not a date-driven one. So therefore... The maximum lockdown is actually level five, and the most open one is level one. We are currently level three at the moment. And uh, again, the levels move based on epidemiological kind of uh, events that are coming through in terms of from the perspective. Um, so, so, you know, it's only now in level three that parts of tourism have been allowed to operate. So for more than 80 days, you know, essentially about two months, 
a lot of the tourism trade has not at all been able to operate zero revenues while really carrying, obviously, the operational cost of getting their, their own activities going on at the same time. Now, at level three at the moment is that domestic tourism is allowed, uh, but only for business travel. Uh, our president went uh, on TV last night to further announce further relaxations that uh, now uh, leisure travel is allowed as well, you know, domestic travel from that perspective there. And to give a bit of a sense, our um, recovery is essentially going to be led by domestic, then regional, pan-African, and then international as well. And it all goes in the phases of really getting the confidence of the traveler to be able to come to South Africa quite safely. So with like many destinations, we've had to say over the last 60 days, which is something that comes very difficult to tell people not to travel, not to travel to South Africa, and essentially um, so that they can travel later when it is safer. So we are slowly coming back and drip feeding and assessing on a regular basis. And uh, we look forward to the day ultimately where our borders are open and uh, there's freedom of movement, not just within South Africa, not just within the continent, but globally. There have been a lot of questions coming in about domestic tourism and how we all know that it will start from domestic tourism, regional tourism, and then ultimately, you know, inbound. But I think we will we'll come back to that. Dr. Bittiradia, in, in, in Kenya, I realized that you, you that introduced the virtual tours, you know, to, to, to bring safari and other uh, excitement to the homes of the millions who cannot travel now. Yeah. So thank you, Kojo, and welcome to everybody else. Um, well, we in Kenya did not have um, a complete lockdown. We started off with um, uh, limited travel, uh, which was then followed up with uh, a curfew. And what's really happened is uh, we've been evaluating the, and I, I understand we need to call it an endemic because it's going to be the way that we continue to live as we go forward. Um, we've, we've been evaluating it um, largely on a monthly basis, starting from about March. And um, it's, we've been extending it as um, uh, the health ministry monitors uh, what's happening with the, with the endemic. So um, in terms of tourism, we shut down uh, in about um, uh, March. And uh, that has been the case um, for the period from March until about uh, a month ago, when uh, there was a limited um, uh, facilitation of uh, eateries mainly, but not necessarily the tourism sector. So what um, has been going on is generally uh, what most other economies have been doing is trying to ensure that um, people are able to uh, sustain their workers, uh, the smaller medium-sized um, uh, um, trade is able to continue. There's, there's a curfew in place, but um, with the understanding that it begins at the end of the day, it, it used to end, start at four. It was extended now to nine o'clock. And that's largely to allow, um, especially small traders to be able to um, sort of um, sustain the economy. But um, in terms of tourism, uh, there's been uh, relief from a tax perspective. Um, uh, stimulus provided in the form of um, concessions around loans, existing bank loans, um, uh, a package or a float has been has been given by the government to allow uh, the tourism sector to be able to borrow to sustain their business at at, at concessions uh, with concessions, and um, 
largely uh, the, the tourism industry has not opened up yet. Our airspaces are closed. Um, uh, very much like South Africa, we, when we finally have um, uh, some sort of opportunity to open up uh, not only the airspace, but the inter-county um, uh, spaces, then uh, naturally we will begin to look at domestic travel, um, uh, followed by regional, and that is largely because uh, the protocols that are being put in place is are one of those that um, you have to go as you, you, you develop them as you go along and understand what's going on with the endemic. So it's a learning process as we go through, then the protocols are dictated by uh, numbers that um, are monitored on a daily basis, but also uh, what we call hotspot areas, right? Okay. And that really is basically where we are. Okay, so I'll come back to you and ask whether you're going to quarantine or not, because there's been a the conversation about the, the, the mandatory quarantine to, 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 to quarantine or not to quarantine. Lily, what's, you know, you've been having the tourism talks and you've, you've uh, engaged with your operators and, you know, some of the industry experts to see how you can be able to resuscitate or if, if, if I may use the word, right, word, restart, you know, tourism. Give us, give us your opening remark and what's happening in, Uganda. Thank you. Thank you, Kojo. Right. Thank you, everyone. Um, I thank the everyone who has put this together. And warm greetings from Uganda, the part of Africa. Uh, very happy to be part of uh, this discussion. And this day, it is a late afternoon in Uganda. It's warm and nice weather. Um, what's happening with the, with the status of tourism and the pandemic is, is that um, the government of Uganda took a very precautionary measure towards managing this. Uh, way before uh, we went into the lockdown or even registered any case of uh, COVID-19 in Uganda, the government already uh, imposed a restriction of um, getting everyone who was coming in to be quarantined, especially those who were coming from uh, category one countries. So a couple of weeks after that was when we went into the lockdown on the 4th of March. And immediately after that, we registered our first case and since then, we have more or less been in total lockdown. Uh, until now, all the, the international boundary districts are still in total lockdown. The central part of the country districts are now a little bit open, partially um, locked down because we still do not have public transports. Uh, moving freely, there is restriction, we have curfew, and um, this precautionary measure uh, enabled the government of Uganda to also come in to support the vulnerable groups. So there has been distribution of food to the vulnerable groups. And um, uh, in regards to tourism, everything basically went to a standstill. 
and we have registered in, uh, a lot of impacts from loss of jobs to the small businesses shutting down completely um, after a couple of months of having no, no business at all. Uh, they basically shut down and a number of them are still struggling. Um, and depending on how long more this is going to take, uh, they might, that we might be registering more shutdown, more loss of jobs. And of course, uh, it goes without saying that uh, uh, without business op operation, you know, there's a lot of loss of, uh, of uh, revenue. So that is the situation um, that we have in Uganda, but we also haven't registered any death from the COVID-19. So in terms of um, protecting the lives of, Ugandan, of Ugandans, I think the precautionary measures that have been put in place has helped to work that perfectly well, but this is having a huge impact on the economic side of things. And uh, the reason why they is the partial opening is because of the pressure with the economic impact right now. So we just hope that it doesn't take too long because uh, we are beginning to feel the real pinch with the, with the, with the economic side of things. No, thank you. We will we'll, we'll come to the specifics because I have a lot of questions for you. Uh, Mr. Agusia you, you you had a year of return, you know, largely very successful event. And unfortunately, you know, we, 2020 was meant to be there beyond the return investment and uh, other things that you had projected. But we find ourselves in this pandemic and what are you doing from your side in terms of what is happening right now? You've, you've had a meeting with um, stakeholders and in, in, in your last meeting, you spoke about how you want to gradually uh, ensure that business travel, you know, uh, comes to effect. Can you, can you, can you tell us what, the Ghana Tourism Authority is doing from your side. All right, Kudo, thank you and welcome to everybody once again. Uh, like you indicated, our tourism framing has moved from uh, what I would say strongly rebounding to an in-crisis situation now. Hello, Akos, are you there? Uh, we I have a challenge with him. Hello, Mr. Ajman, can you hear us? Follow the lead of our president. Okay. No, I think we have some challenges with his, with his, uh, with his lying. When he said, Hello, Ayuba? Let's first preserve lives before we look at our livelihoods. And so, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Please continue. Hello. Yes, we can I hear can you. I hear you perfectly. Okay, continue, sir. I can, I can hear you. I'm here. Can I, I can hear you. I can hear you well, Kojo. Yes. Yes, but, yeah, yes so continue. Yes. I think he's having a challenge. Mr. Givmore, let me come to you in Zimbabwe, where you've uh, allow the tour operator, destination marketing agencies to go to Victoria Falls and all your attractions to try and see how they'll be able to, you know, resuscitate and, you know, give confidence to the, to the tourism community. What can you tell us what you're doing? Because the minister met with the operators and told them that they're putting some mechanisms 
in terms of um, stimulus I'm, packages. I'm, oh, you're uh, back? Hello? Hey, uh, Kojo. Kojo? Yes. Sergeant, I think. The network, your network is a bit of a problem. So yes. let me ask you to give more to go so that you can, you can, you can come in later. Okay, so I can All come right. in, Kojo. I stand by then. Okay, thank you. Uh, good afternoon or good uh, morning, uh, depending on where we are. Thank you very much, Kojo, for the uh, opportunity. And I want to thank Naledi for having us on uh, this uh, platform. Yeah, indeed, uh, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic or endemic, as people want to call it now, uh, has uh, changed a lot of things for all of us. And I want to say that the same impact it has had on all the other countries, like my colleagues are saying, uh, have been felt in Zimbabwe as well. Currently, we are uh, on uh, a level two lockdown. Our levels are not exactly the same as South Africa. Ours, we started from uh, uh, a total lockdown that started uh, at the end of March on the 30th. And uh, then it was relaxed to uh, a second level, which is... Uh, now a little bit more relaxed uh, with uh, formal businesses allowed to open, but under very strict protocols. And uh, within that uh, uh, category of businesses, the formal businesses include all the operators in tourism, I mean, that is the hotels, uh, restaurants, and so on. But uh, what is uh, in place right now is there is uh, within our uh, requirements or our regulations that leisure and recreation remain locked. So that actually then ties the arms and the feet of uh, the tourism operators because everything that happens around there is around leisure and recreation. And then intercity travel still remains uh, restricted only to very essential uh, travel where one needs clearance to travel intercity or between provinces and the airspace uh, remains closed. And uh, the restaurants are not allowed any sit-in. Uh, it's uh, supposed to be only takeaways. And uh, in that regard, you find that uh, the tourism sector has been hardest hit uh, since the beginning of the year, actually, when uh, signs of uh, this uh, pandemic started showing. And uh, it will also be the last one to recover. So to try and uh, mitigate that, uh, the uh, government in Zimbabwe, uh, we are working on a tourism recovery strategy, which we've been doing, uh, putting together in consultation with all relevant stakeholders. And I want also to underline here that, you know, when it's a health pandemic, uh, like we have, is the health authorities that then eventually call the shots. And whatever shots they call might not be uh, as palatable as uh, we would want them to be for other sectors. And uh, Government uh, realizing that there's pressure on all these other sectors has also uh, managed to relax some of the operations. And uh, you mentioned our Honorable Minister was in Victoria Falls just to assess the situation on the ground. And you know, as if uh, fate had it, last year we were rallying under some uh, negative uh, news that the Victoria Falls was drying up. And uh, God had our uh, please, and uh, decided to shame the devil. And uh, the Victoria Force is actually swelling. It, uh, I mean, it is record levels, like never seen before. And then, uh, as if fate had it as well, it got locked down. So no one can enjoy the fullness of the Victoria Force. So what we have done now, the Honorable Minister has allowed operators and uh, media people access to the Victoria Force so that we don't lose 
on the images and sharing okay. with the world what the world wonder is uh, looking like. And then in addition to that, this is more to try and uh, demonstrate that we are still there and the attraction is waiting for people to start traveling again. Then we have uh, some rescue package that has been put together by government for the tourism industry. There is uh, a tourism uh, revival fund that has been uh, uh, put in place. Modality is still being worked out for uh, the operators to access that. And then a loan guarantee facility where government is guaranteeing loans for okay. businesses that are in okay. distress. Yeah. Okay. I could no, go thank on you so and much. on like this. I say. No, I know. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> let's let's leave it there. So, Mr. Ajima, let's come back to you again. And I mean, what I was saying was that you had a very successful 2019 year of return, and then you 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 two weeks ago launched the Beyond the Return Committee, and you know. But we are here with the pandemic, and what's your response to that? Yeah. Thank you, Koyo, and welcome again to all panelists and attendees, like I indicated, our tourism has moved from a strongly rebounding a few months ago to an in-crisis situation now. We followed the lead of our president who said we should preserve lives first before we look at livelihoods. So since the 12th of March, when we had our first two cases, the airport was shut down from the 21st of March. And that has been the situation. Most of our establishments, about 25% of the hotels also went on shutdown because most of them depend on international arrivals coming into the country. Um, when we look at um, some of the things that we did to help preserve lives, a lot of uh, public education using uh, Stay Home No Ghana campaign, and then also sharing of PPEs, working with the COVID secretariat in making sure the protocols were being adhered to. Now, in terms of preserving livelihoods, and now that the restrictions are a bit eased up, we're working very closely with central government on some stimulus cash for the industry. For the small business sector, uh, there is a vote of funds through the National Board for Small-Scale Industry, which is also helping to is up and currently we're working on a global um, um, emergency funding for the sector. Hopefully by the end of the month, that should be announced and that will go a long way to um, help the industry players. Uh, in terms of post-COVID and how we ease tourism back gradually, we have a four touch point approach. One is working on our access points. So visa on arrival, making sure that we make it easier for people who want to come to destination. Number two, focus more on domestic tourism. So like South Africa said, we are moving domestic, regional, African before we look at the international markets um, again. But still, we are keeping very much in touch with the Africa diaspora. That is our strongest point with uh, Beyond the Return. And that's why we've started this return conversations that are currently ongoing. Then we also have events. December last year, everybody, I think, came to Ghana. It felt like that. And so we know that by December, most of the restrictions would have been eased. And so we have a December in GH, which is December in Ghana, that is going to help us rebound. And finally, we also started working on our virtual tourism and our digitization of our tourism products. So those four touch points, I think, are things okay. that we hope will get us back on track. No, okay. So uh, one of the questions that we received was with, uh, 
international tourism or inbound tourism for Ghana constituting 80 to 90% of your market. What is it that you can do or what is it that you have in place to, to, to say that you start from domestic tourism? And what are the mechanisms that would ensure that the domestic tourism that we are talking about, the locals do not are able to participate? Or is it the product that you're going to change or is it affordable to, 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 to the residents? Well, the data that we have suggests that, I mean, if you look at all our tourist sites and attractions, about 70% of the visitors are domestic. And so domestic still has always been our strongest market. However, when it comes to, let's say, accommodation, hotels, and the upmarket hotel, that is where you have uh, the international play making a very strong push. Now, how do we uh, work on that? For international, we're currently working with the aviation and the Ghana Health Service to look at some of the protocols because uh, we're very quite clear that once we open up and we start our aggressive marketing, we'll still get the numbers coming in, not at the same level as the year before. It will take some time, but that will be able for the upmarket hotels who depend on international travel. For domestic, a lot of uh, guest houses, uh, lodges, depend on domestic travels. And we are coming back strongly with our campaign that we are launched in 2017, the See Ghana, Eat Ghana, Wear Ghana, Feel Ghana campaign. And through that and working with some of our media partners, we are sure that we will get the demand stimulated well enough for everybody to get their share. There are some follow-up questions, but I'll come back to you on that. Cesar, you know, uh, like the Secretary General of the UNWTO said, trust is going to be the trump card. And People are home now, they want to travel, but yet again, they are free to travel and people want to make sure that they are secured. What is it that from the end user's viewpoint can be assured that he traveling back to South Africa, he's, he's, he, he can confidently say that the hotel, the lodge, the attraction is in a shape that he can uh, put himself forward to, to, to travel. Sure. I think the first one, you're absolutely right that uh, the trust factor and the confidence are going to be key. Uh, what we have done in South Africa is that we've implemented health and operational protocols that are standard across the industry. So whether you are a hotel, whether you are a museum or sightseeing, there are standard um, protocols across there. Um, for instance, masks are actually compulsory if you want to travel anywhere in the country practicing social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. Even you find that in hotels, they're, being max, they're actually limited to a maximum capacity in order to create the space right across the board there. And uh, that also, again, apply, applies to attraction, applies to transportation across the board. Um, to give you a bit of a sense is that our national parks are actually open at the moment, but only for self-drive. So essentially, we're not encouraging big groups to congregate together, but rather smaller groups across the board. The biggest area that we've been hit as South Africa is that we are very big in the MICE sector, meetings, incentives, conferences, exhibitions, right? And, uh, you know, we've got a couple of B and iconic, big and iconic uh, conference centers like Cape Town, Johannesburg, and even in Durban, where up to 10,000 delegates come from all over the world to attend a conference for four or five days. We've seen mass cancellations of that happening across the board there, essentially because of people not trusting whom they're going to meet and where they come from on the other side there. So you're absolutely right. The confidence part 
and also the trust part. And it's about the signals that you send through. So, you know, as a precursor to actually even starting domestic sector, we've actually had to go out on a campaign where we inform and educate South Africans, right, themselves about how to travel the country, their safety precautions, and essentially also giving the onus on them to make sure that they practice the, the requirements of masks and the social distancing. And all of this adds up to, um, you know, uh, having a safe tourism sector. The key thing here, we are all learning from this on a daily basis. We are all getting data points, you know, every day or two, and we have to adjust ourselves around it. Track and tracing becomes key and important because, as we know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So when an outbreak is found, as an example, we've got to be able to pinpoint, isolate it, and find all of those that are uh, impacted, affected, so that they can get the necessary care. Thank you. Thank you, Sisa. Lily, how, uh, when are you likely to see tourism? Because, we, I mean, we are talking about domestic tourism, and we should also understand the context that domestic tourism here yeah, will come and it, it can sustain the uh, economies, but it cannot, you know, shore up for the numbers that we cannot get from, uh, you know, international tourism. But there's a question here for you that in Uganda, there's a challenge that people can't afford the domestic tourism product. And what are you doing to ensure that it's either from the experience point of view or you have put in mechanisms, i.e. from the central government that makes domestic tourism affordable? Thank you, Kojo. Um, if we look at our statistics of, uh, of tourism, um, the highest number of tourists to Uganda is actually from the region. So we depend a lot on the East African region numbers. Um, and uh, yes, there's, uh, there's definitely a point in saying that there's a concern about the, the numbers of domestic tourists from the price point of view. It's more than just the issue of price. The issue of price comes in that in, in the major destinations which are in the national parks, for a long time we have had high-end facilities which could not be afforded by the nationals. But in the recent past, there were wildlife authority who are the owners of the estates of the national parks have been able to provide for the ranges of facilities that are required by the different market segments. And this is, uh, this is in process with the development of facilities across the different destinations in the country. But what is also very key to note with that concern is the interest of the domestic markets. Uh, the interest of the international market is not exactly the same as the domestic market. So it has been a question of having the right package um, of services to the domestic market as opposed to giving the same packages of the international markets to the, to the domestic market. So this is one thing definitely we are working out uh, to make sure that the interest of the domestic market is uh, clearly addressed to their needs 
from the services to the facilities that are on offer. Um, and uh, pricing, yes, it's emphasized, but for me, pricing is not the only factor that impacts on domestic tourism. It is debatable. It's debatable because if, if we are looking at, like I explained, um, where we are coming from, we started with development of facilities for the high-end you know, customers. And uh, we are moving you know, to address the needs of the, of the low-end low customers. So that's where the, 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 the concern is coming from. Hello, Lily. Oh, I think I'm trying with a, with a, with a network. Meet Hello, all the needs. Okay. Okay. But there are also some other factors that... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, please. Um, there is other factors as well that needs to be addressed in terms of the product diversification beyond just the pricing. And uh, that is very key and it is something that we are working to address. And uh, with, uh, with, the current, with the current situation as well, we have been given an opportunity to look inward and see how best we can be able to address uh, our domestic needs. So we are on, on the path with that. And I think uh, this season has also given a lot of other opportunity, especially as the tourism board in Uganda, we have engaged with, uh, with the public, with the private sector to see where they will be on target with what we need to do. It's a huge opportunity right now to encourage all Ugandans to travel their own country, learn about the heritage they have, and enjoy what they have in their own country. Okay, thank you. Dr. Bittiradia, you know, you, in, in, when the pandemic started in Kenya, you had some meetings with, a, with, with the ministry and then you had a meeting with the private sector. Then one of the points that I picked up was when you spoke about health certificate or a sticker or a badge, something, that you want to certify a, a, you know, a property that people say, okay, maybe they are keeping the protocols. Can you elaborate on it? Uh, thank you, Kojo. So um, there have been a couple of meetings, uh, as you mentioned, with... Um, both uh, government and private sector, not only um, with the tourism sector, but with tourism and labor, tourism and health, tourism and finance and treasury, and then of course, uh, uh, the tourism trade and uh, the ministry. And basically what it is, is uh, it's every um, uh, touch point within the value chain is trying to determine what protocols will work and how would, would those protocols embrace the various um, uh, industries in a way that enables them to be able to actually do business within the pandemic? So we in the tourism industry have, have, have said that we've put together protocols that we believe are, 
are going to be able to mitigate um, the spread of the, of, of, of the virus within the, the hospitality industry with a lot of challenges around this. But uh, this certification um, is, 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 is a way that we want to encourage um, the, the new um, discovery that people are, are hesitant and um, they are, they are, they're worried about uh, safety, they're worried about health, they're worried about um, the decisions they're going to make in terms of the places that they go. So we've seen that um, uh, even as eateries are open, people are worried about it. So the certification that we're pro proposing is actually a tourism um, uh, 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 initiative that allows people to be able to see um, uh, and, and very easily identify uh, outlets, and 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 hotel hello no thanks she's having challenges mr Germano, i believe you are there I, I you know i wanted to come to you that with the us you know constituting a a a, a core market for your you know international tourism what are you putting in because now there's a, a talk about people looking at high-risk countries you know when everything is back to normal or not you know semblance of normality do you have in place mechanism that says that when you are coming you have to take undertake this test because you have potential travelers okay they are still planning and they don't know what to do so what can you say in terms of what you guys are doing to ensure that people have enough information because as it stands now there's information overload and people need to have specific ones, how you are communicating to the uh, traveler, the end user. All right, so Kodio, I think there are several uh, issues currently. Currently, we're looking at trying to deal with the perception issues. I mean, okay. as you know, Ghana, Ghana has done a lot of contact tracing and testing. So our caseloads are uh, quite high, about 12,000. But these are people who have been traced, contacted, tested. And so that, in a way, should give some confidence to people that we are not sleeping on it. We are um, as open as possible to what the situation is. Number two, we are working with the aviation and health uh, authorities on the protocols for one, the airport, and also in-country. So in-country, we're currently testing some of the protocols at the tourist sites and the restaurants that are open, uh, what needs to be done. And then also we're looking at certification and then making sure that the country itself is COVID ready. And so at the airport, we are looking at the sanitizing systems and the testing. We currently are also in discussion on the rapid test uh, we have evacuations of Ghanaians who are locked down now currently happening. And so the protocols are just a way to test how ready we will be. And so uh, yesterday, for example, we had about 300 people arrive from the UK and they were taken to uh, the airports, uh, protocols, and then also at the hotel. So that is a test phase that we are going on. And I believe by the time we open up the country, both from the communication standpoint and also from our readiness in terms of actual 
tracing who is coming in and contacting them and testing them and making sure that they are isolated and properly treated is something that will be uh, on top of. Thank you. But for the traveler, for the traveler who is sitting at home and who wants to come to Ghana from the state, if you go on your site, what are you telling them? Do you have specific messaging that you are targeting these travelers as opposed to a bit of the general information yeah. out there? No, so we are currently what we are doing is to do what we call the top of mind um, awareness thing game because we are not too sure when the airport will be open. So there is no point telling people when to travel. And that's why we are using this phase to also test our COVID readiness. And so eventually we'll break communication uh, somewhere at the end of this month on the specific COVID ready uh, protocol that we put in place for travelers, hoping that our airport will be open somewhere at the end of July or early August. We don't know because like our president has said, he's relying on the data and the science. So now we have some airline, airlines coming in with evacuees and we are using that as a test phase. So eventually the marketing bit of it and the communication will follow once the thing is open. Now what we are telling people is to stay home, no Ghana, stay home, be part okay. of the conversation. We have the return conversations and the beyond the return thing going on. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Radier, I think she left again. Okay, Mr. Givmo, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you. From, from Zimbabwe, how, how do you see, which, which segment of the tourism industry are you expecting to start the uh, recovery process? Uh, well, uh, Kojo, thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, it looks like it's almost now, I mean, the standard that uh, the domestic sector will uh, respond very quickly. But we have uh, a domestic, domestic tourism sector. Yes. So the domestic tourism will, will, will kick in first. And then uh, we will go into the regional and into the international. And when you look at market segments, really, it's going to start with uh, the business travel. Because right now, uh, intercity travel is still uh, not open. And... Uh, domestic and uh, business travel in terms of uh, maybe even small conferences uh, because uh, public gatherings of up to 50 people have been uh, opened up, including churches, uh, by the way. And uh, when uh, you look at, uh, you know, some small meetings, uh, they can happen. They've got to uh, be adhering to the strictest of the protocols, uh, the facilities uh, where they are utilized because uh, when the lockdown was relaxed, we have seen uh, hotels opening and uh, also some lodges and some uh, uh, venues for conferencing. And uh, there are very strict uh, protocols there, you know, starting from all the sanitization, uh, the uh, temperature checks uh, as people are, arrive there, social distancing. And, you know, I'm always proud of the hospitality industry. And uh, at times, I always... Uh, say to people that uh, if you wondered why hospitals in the hospitality uh, industry have an almost similar name, is that the hospitality sector is very much alert to uh, hygienic issues, is very much alert to all these issues, just like in the hospitals. Because, I mean, if you can have people that are sick in hospitals and they are being taken care of in hospitality, we take care of anyone, the sick and not the sick. And so we have very high standards. And that is the sector that will respond very quickly, business travel. And uh, I think we just had some webinar last week where we we're talking about uh, opening up to business travel. Uh, business events are very easy to manage uh, as opposed to, you know, the leisure. You can give people rules and regulations 
uh, if they are attending a conference which they will adhere to. And uh, in our case, we are looking at uh, kicking uh, off with the domestic travel, particularly uh, the business event sector. But what are you going to do with domestic tourism to, to ensure that it's changed from the previous one? Because, uh, you know, uh, Zimbabwe is largely an international, des uh, you know, destination in terms of your, of your tourism arrivals. And what have you put in place to ensure that you have a robust and, you know, sustaining domestic tourism? Because everyone keeps on saying domestic tourism, but we know countries that it doesn't even exist. Yeah, looking at domestic tourism in Zimbabwe, we actually uh, have uh, realized and a lot of studies have indicated that uh, the pricing of the tourism product has been the major hindrance to domestic travel. And uh, I mean, our tourism was geared for international travel, like you rightly say, uh, So what we have done is to engage the tourism industry, the private sector, because we don't own it, and uh, in Zimbabwe there's no price control. Uh, price is a, a function of supply and demand. And yeah, uh, yeah. the businesses themselves have to look at their pricing models. What government has done, whatever services are on domestic, for the domestic market, they don't attract VAT. And uh, that has helped to reduce the prices. And we are very hopeful and praying that the businessman will okay. pass on that benefit to the consumer. And then we are also coming in with uh, uh, joint packages that the industry is putting together. We have uh, engaged our tourism private sector through the Tourism Business Council of Zimbabwe for the different businesses that want to participate in the domestic tourism campaign to come up with affordable packages, also realizing that uh, the very market that we are talking about is exactly the same market that has been adversely affected by COVID because, uh, I mean, incomes have gone down, people have not been going to work, and uh, people have uh, also, uh, some have lost jobs. But what we are very definite about is people are rearing to go out of their houses. As soon okay. as they are allowed to uh, move around, they are going to, I uh, think, you know, you know, you know the way our our pets behave when you open the gate, you're driving home, you've got a dog in the house. The moment you open the gate, it runs out up and down the streets. And, uh, you know, we are going to have a similar situation that once people are allowed to go out, there's going to be uh, a rush to try and uh, get to the, to, to, I mean, to the, uh, uh, interesting sites, to the, to the lakes, to go into the parks and so on. There is a lot okay. of pressure right now for government to open the parks. Although, I mean, they have not been opened yet, but the pressure is coming from the consumers to say, please let us go out into the fresh air. But may we never come to the conversation of domestic tourism, a conversation in uh, uh, Zimbabwe. Let me go to Dr. Betiradie. We lost you a bit. Hello, Doc, are you there? Hello, Dr. Betty, can you hear us? I'll take Lily. Is Lily there as well? I think they have challenges. So um, I'm forced yes, to go I'm to see. Okay. okay. So my, my, my next question was about how, when are you, when are we expecting to see, uh, you know, the gorilla trekking? Because there's been a lot of conversation on it. Do you have some timelines how that will start? And are you, again, we know that every country is quite different, but do you have specific 
timeline in terms of when uh, some semblance of tourism will start in, in uh, Uganda? Uh, thank you, Kojo. Right now, the, there is no specific date or time uh, when we will get the gorilla um, parks open, but also to have, um, to have the lockdown totally lifted and all businesses in tourism operating. So it's still uncertain as to when that will happen. However, um, very key is that the, the Gorilla National Park uh, activities are ongoing and uh, the wildlife authority is doing their best to make sure that the protection of the wildlife is, uh, is done to the best that they can do. And uh, recently, I'm sure you, you saw the news that we lost one of the silverbacks. And so there's a lot of effort being put in ensuring that uh, the protection of the resources is done. And also, um, we were just talking in relation to domestic tourism um, and issue of pricing. Uh, a lot of um, repackaging of uh, the tours are being done such that when we are ready to to open and get operations business going, we will be ready uh, to do that. But at this point, it's very uncertain, you know, as to when, uh, because we also do not know exactly when the, the, the airport is actually going to be open. Okay, no, thank you. Uh, Dr. Betty, can you, can you continue where you left off? Yes, um, uh, I'm actually, I was around the certification and saying uh, that we were looking for ways to ensure that people can um, identify the certification. But are you still hearing? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear a bit, but I think you are breaking up, so... Oh, okay. I think I'll just I'll just keep checking. All right. So um, then the, we were talking about the certification and we finished that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think we finished that. But I was I was going to link that to the the virtual. Are you there? Yes. Now I'm here. Yeah. Okay. No. I was I was going to link that to the virtual tour and how you are communicating with your 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 base. I mean the your agents, your travel you know, your international partners. For example, there's a lot of questions coming through from the US about how uh, things are being done in Kenya and how are you relaying things to them from how uh, the KTB and the government is putting in place mechanism that would ensure that if we start to travel again, you know, people are freely welcome back to Kenya. All right, thank you, Kojo. Now, like most uh, destinations, actually the whole world, um, what we have is a captive audience, and we have a captive audience on 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 digital media, and 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 so what we've uh, what we decided to do as Kenya is to be able to keep this audience engaged. I know a lot of the um, uh, experiences that people are having online at the moment have to do with work or uh, connection onto meetings such as this, but uh, there's an opportunity for them to also be able to experience. 
um, uh, uh, a safari. And, and this is how we launched the, the live uh, virtual tours, which happen every day and will go on for the next uh, three months. Uh, because that period uh, is the period we perceive we will be moving between um, a pre-recovery and, and, and recovery from a lockdown perspective. So that we, uh, our, our airspaces may open during that time, restrictions. But in terms of engagement with markets, we uh, are making sure that um, we engage with the partners that we have in markets, associations that we have in markets to be able to interact with our potential travelers, uh, the new travelers, and our, our previous travelers to be able to share. Um, Much more challenge. I think we have a problem with the Dr. Radius Challenge uh, network. Oh. I think we lost, we lost, I'll, I'll jump on to Caesar. Caesar, there's a question coming through. So almost I think we lost there. Sorry, Tim, but let me go to Cesar. And uh, Cesar, there's a question coming through about um, the protocols, and if you may, you may want to speak on it in terms of the African protocols. I know that you put a lot of things on your website and uh, other platform, but if you can add that to a question that is been coming from the state about how concerned are you with the situation of SAA? I know that it uh, is a it's an ongoing situation now, but what can you say for people? Because it's a, you are a long haul destination and SA's situation inadvertently puts you in a very precarious position. So can you, can you speak to that? Yeah. So the first part regarding the protocols, um, we were a unique situation as South Africa. What actually happened is that uh, the private sector themselves got together and actually did research globally and amongst themselves to come up with these protocols. They then presented these protocols to government who then looked at them, you know, based from a health perspective and they gave it the thumbs up. Now the implementation and also the monitoring and regulation of it is actually done by the private sector in itself, right? And uh, they felt that, listen, they're the best position to actually self-regulate and make sure that they are able to adjust and put all these programs in place. So that is something that we are really proud of, of a, a private sector, public sector collaboration, finding solutions that ultimately speak to the visitors who actually want this comfort and support from that perspective. Now, these protocols not only meet the minimum requirements of the country, but also global in the stature. Again, you're able to see them through our website or even through the private sector uh, body called TBCSA, Tourism Business Council of South Africa. The second part of your question around South African Airways. Um, Look, it's, 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 it's obviously our national carrier and uh, no one wants to see their flag actually going to demise. 
But where South African Airways is at is essentially probably where the likes of Swiss Air was about 15 to 20 years ago, where you actually have to look at the remodel of a flag carrier that it essentially does not need to be 100% owned by government, but essentially can also be run by the private sector as an example over there. Now, as far as tourism is concerned, we are agnostic when it comes towards connectivity because what has happened with COVID, it has actually obliterated all airline schedules that you've come to know of. And we all have to build from the bottom up, essentially, right? And it's about networking within domestically and also finding external airlines that are able to put in place in order to network South Africa. Now, the smart money will go into South Africa not looking at itself by itself but actually looking at collaborating with the countries around it as a block. So whether I look at Give More as an example to say, well, plug into here as, uh, as Zimbabwe, plug into here as Botswana, plug into here as Zambia or even Namibia and Mozambique as an example. And then suddenly now you've got a bigger block that you are able to negotiate with airlines. Before COVID, as an example, 20% of our inbound actually went to the rest of uh, the SADC area, which is the southern um, development countries. You know, again, the ones that I've listed over there. Now we've got to collaborate and say, well, how then do we start to network uh, from an airline perspective, whichever airline, by the way, it could be as long as we're able to provide reliable, safe, sufficient airline connectivity that actually has got schedules that actually make sense. And I think that's where we've got to start to look at sustainability. And lastly, Kojo, when we speak of recovery, we've got to be very clear. We're not talking about recovering to ways of old, right? But it's yes. about reimagining a future. We've exactly. got to start to think differently. Let's address some of those weaknesses that we previously had. And one of them is intra-Africa travel. And that's, that's one really focus for us to saying, how then do we start to network so that we can have flow amongst ourselves as a continent before we start to look at uh, overseas as well. No, but as a, as a CEO of, uh, you know, the, the leading tourism destination, if you want to call it, you know, want to call it in, you know, South Africa, uh, and as a leader, what do you think that amongst your colleagues, you know, you can be able to push from your end? We know that it largely comes to political decisions and all of that, but what kind of group, a lobby group as a CEOs or as a, you know, leaders of tourism, we can put forward that we will see at least gradual, you know, connecting of the continent that we can see that when you fly from Johannesburg to Nairobi, you know, because I recall that in the last meeting on the visa issue, you were trying Kenya in terms of the e-visa and then we had COVID. So in, 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 in your position as a CEO and with your colleagues, what do you think that you guys can do, you know, on your own to ensure that, you know, we are getting closer to, to working together and intra-Africa is coming to, to, to play. Well, a couple of things. I think the first one is that we are all desperate, right? We are all desperate to trade because the longer we're not able to operate as a tourism sector, the more the supply side, the more our products become at risk because they are not earning any revenue. So we are all desperate. Now, that said then, We've got to start to work smartly in terms of where do we start to find the first level of green shoots? 
where our revenue stream is going to come from. And all of us has been saying over and over again that domestic is going to lead, et cetera, et cetera. But we all know that our domestic capacity is actually not that strong. It's quite weak. So therefore, the smart money is how do you augment your domestic with the region, right? If you look at what is happening around the world, you've got these air bubbles starting to form up between uh, countries that are targeting each other as safe to travel to. If you look at the characteristics of them, a couple of things come through. One is that they are close to each other. They typically self-drive or drive markets or a maximum one and a half hours flight away. Again, as a, as, a, as, a, as a continent, let's start to look at each other and say, well, how do we start to create passages amongst each other in chosen destinations? Because part of opening up is managing risk. And you also want to take a view not only of how you as a host country have managed the, the pandemic, but also how that potential source market that you're looking at is actually managed their pandemic. Because you don't want to introduce or import risk into your country when you've done such a great job in terms of managing it as well. So all of these have got to come into place. What can we do as uh, tourism bodies? I think quite a lot. I think, first of all, the business case is essentially there. Um, what is really catching the attention of authorities nowadays is actually science and data. And if you are able to show the data in terms of performance-wise on the economy, and I think you've got a tick box sitting over there, if I can show that one plus one, you know, uh, South Africa, and Zimbabwe as an example, add the two together, they add up to three and more. And suddenly the economics start to play over there. That actually says, as a country, I'm limited to um, X number of activities. But combined with the Zimbabwe, I can throw in a big fold as an example, and I can okay. throw in other activities. And suddenly now the offering is there. And you are able to look at traveling to Africa not just to go to one specific country in and out, but you can actually go through a block, right? Four or five uh, type of countries that you can go through. And I think it's that seamless travel that we've really got to look at doing this as part of the opening up of the tourism sector as we introduce ourselves back to the world in a very different fashion, but in a more collaborative, smarter fashion. We've got to you know, fix what was not working before as opposed to just going back with what we had. And again, I think it's uh, important to mention that uh, the forum that you are having with CEOs uh, meeting another ATLF forum and then the coming meeting with the UNWTO, I think would, would, I mean, would, would add more to it to be able to ensure that you can collaborate. And like you said to me when we were in Cote d'Ivoire, you don't necessarily have to see it as a competition, but looking at it from the continent, when you attract a lot of the, of, of, uh, of the market. Somebody in Zimbabwe or from Kenya to Uganda will be able to have it. Uh, Mr. Ajuman. Absolutely. Sorry, Koji. Just to add on yeah. there, that the opportunities are very... Look, if you look at Africa, right, 54 yeah. countries, right, our market share, our total market share of tourism globally is about 5%, right? Yes. That's the same, uh, the same as the size of the Middle East, as an example. So we are really fighting way below our capacity in terms of getting there, right? So we've got to start to saying, how do we win as a continent first before we win as countries? Because what the pandemic is showing us now and even previous pandemics is that 
what happens to any one of us impacts the other countries as well. So we've got to make sure that we, we re-emerge back to the world as a united force, but also as an element that says we've got so much to offer that is different, that is authentic, that is immersive, that no else in the world you are able to get. Thank you very much. Uh, I come to Mr. Mr. Ajiman, I, I, I bring you to the point of connectivity and intra-Africa travel. Uh, and now, West Africa, we have a unique... Hello, Mr. Ajiman, are you there? I think he's gone. Dr. Betsredi, are you, are you back on? Yes, I'm back on. I think we're having challenges with the network. Can you hear me? No, we can hear you. We can't, yeah. uh, we can't hear you. No. The new normal, the challenges that it poses is the internet and the... Are you able to hear me? No, you I've sabotaged I've you... I've all of them. None of them <laughs> only, only I can talk. Okay, we can hear you now. Only so I let's can go. talk. Everyone Sorry, that it didn't work. <laughs> no, we can hear you now. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Sorry, it didn't work. And now it's just... <laughs> no, Dr. Reggie, I was coming to you on the point of... Uh, uh, because there'll be a lot of also conversation on reimagining and resetting tourism. I know that we are in yes. different mode and all of us are saying different things. But how do we want to restart? Because every, there's, there's a, a point of sustainability and tourism is being looked up to, to how they can incorporate some of these tenets in our uh, rebuilding strategy. What are yeah. doing to ensure that it's not just going to Masai Mara, going there and have the thing, but to, to, to have an, a, a complete package where people will be able to practice and make sustainability part of your, your tourism product. Uh, thank you, Kojo. And I hope we can actually have a conversation around this now. So I think one of the things, and sorry, Sisa, <laughs> I think one of the things um, that we need to do, uh, we have to start off from the perspective that says we are actually starting afresh. And if you start from that perspective, what that means is that you will look at all of the aspects of how we offered tourism in the past and start to be very specific about the, 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 the aspects within tourism that will give you uh, a lead in terms of being able to see what's opening up. Just picking up from uh, the com conversation you're having with CISA around um, uh, uh, multiple uh, entry uh, visas where you have a single visa for, for a number of countries. We've seen that work with us, uh, for us with the, through the East African Tourism Platform uh, program where we had a single visa for $100 for the three countries, Kenya, Uganda, and Rwanda. And taking on that sort of uh, learning, we now have to look at Africa as a continent where we must be able to cooperate uh, as opposed to uh, be, being competition, being uh, in co cooperate with each other to be able to address uh, some of the things that would prevent regional travel. So, because you will, when you talk about Masai Mara, that is something that people know. So, what else are you going to do? I think one of the things that uh, COVID has allowed us to do is to review and relook at what things that we call tourism. What do destinations have to offer? 
And now you're moving away from just uh, beach and safari, say in the case uh, of Kenya, and you're now beginning to look at the other diversity that your, that, that, your, that your destination offers. You're looking at what things around culture, things around heritage, things around um, uh, conservation, because we, there's a real interest in that area. And, and areas around how it is that in the future, even as we open up, we need to consider what are the aspects around sustainability that we need to now take slightly more seriously. Um, as, as you're aware, uh, we banned plastics in, in, in all um, uh, uh, basically areas where wildlife yeah. plastics in the entire country, right? Uh, as yeah. a means of that we are able to control uh, the issue of sustainability and waste uh, uh, management within the destination. But I think over and above that, uh, we need to look and see what is the first traveler going to be like? They'll be completely different from what we've known. What are the risks uh, that we as a continent have? I know we talk a lot about the traveler, but there's an inherent risk uh, around access. Um, as is driven by aviation, and I keep speaking about this and saying that unless we find a means and, and, and ways that uh, people are able to move around um, uh, the continent uh, via affordable, what are called affordable uh, or, or, or better value air access, uh, then we are not going to be able to open up uh, that, that, that um, volume of of, of people that we have within Africa. This is a continent that has more than 1 billion people. We, there's probably, if you take about um, 40 to 50% of those are probably likely to be encouraged uh, to consider tourism and hospitality. Uh, then there's obviously the incentives and, 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 then, and, and the partnerships that we have in place with the private sector that ensure that the product that we are offering um, to even the domestic traveler or the regional traveler or the, or, or the Pan-African traveler makes sense from the perspective that uh, this traveler is going to make the choice that says, I can travel within Africa and really um, enjoy the diversity that Africa has to offer. So I think the task for us as, as, as people uh, looking after the, 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 the tourism sector is to find ways to collaborate with that value chain, the value chain that says you have trade, you have aviation, you have um, uh, hospitality partners, you have um, uh, 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 organizations that you can work together with to, uh, to get economies of scale uh, in, in areas where um, either tax is levied on top of other tax. So things like okay. visa, things like um, a tax on, 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 on um, aviation that will allow us to really begin to look into the sector and make it uh, viable, even as we talk about domestic tourism. But do you have conversation with the airlines and, and the airport authorities? Because often than not, most of these uh, state organizations pretend to live on, 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 on island, or I mean, they are doing different in silos. And if okay. you know how much the, 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 the customer or the passenger pays on, on, on flights, you realize mm -hmm. that sometimes about, up to about 50% of them is on uh, airport taxes. And so if you have that conversation, yeah. then they will see that ultimately the people coming, you know, you have to put in the job to bring people here. But there are also things that can inhibit, you know, the, the, your, your overall aim of ensuring that people can, can, can come to the country. 
Well, one of the things that uh, we actively have done and actually actually quite successfully have done is, is, is embrace what we perceive is a low-cost carrier in Kenya, which is jumbo jet. And we're able um, in the earlier years, in 2016, 2017, to have um, a conversation between um, government and uh, the airline industry and the tourism and tra uh, travel industry. And we were able to have an agreement that allowed Jumbojet to begin to fly to Uganda with that concession that uh, we are able to give um, uh, on tax. And the, and, and, the, and the problem is that there's tax on both sides. That's actually what drives up the fare, um, if you think about it. So at the moment, the, 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 the benefits that we are able to realize from COVID is, as CISA said, everybody is desperate and struggling. And therefore, the, the, the airlines, the, the, the hospitality industry, um, the, the airports, if we're able, we're able to come and sit around the table and understand that we must collaborate together to be able to have a product that will make um, uh, travel viable, um, even as we open up. Because uh, with, without doing that, without that collaboration and without that discussion, we're not likely to come up with, 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 with a product that people are able to consume. Your flights are going to not be viable from, uh, from, the, uh, from the perspective of, of recovery, and you're not going to be able to um, uh, uh, drive what we all are saying is domestic travel with, uh, um, uh, with the, with, on the backdrop of, of reliance, over-reliance on international travel and, and, and a lot of fat around uh, the costing for that. Okay, no, that's, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Ms. Oh, could, I just, could I just add something on oh, that okay. discussion? Go ahead, Lily. Yes, I just wanted to add that uh, in addition to what has been said already, I think one of the areas that we need to, um, to cooperate uh, in is also with the product development, because if we look at, um, say, East Africa, right down to South Africa, uh, there, there are some historical trails that can actually be followed uh, to tell the full story, other than, you know, each country representing it independent of one another. Um, there are lots of historical things, cultural things, and I think it's one area that we should be looking at together uh, to to co-create and develop products uh, with the trails that run through the different countries in Africa, where there's, you know, there's the connectivity, you know, on 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 the similar or same product. I thought I just wanted to add that. No, that's. I think that's very important because we need that to be able to add value to, because the next uh, traveler, you know, or. Uh, Someone who's going to come to Africa needs different things, and uh, it's important that we can we can be able to provide that that makes our destination a sought after destination. Uh, Mr. Jiman, in terms of SMEs, you know, in Ghana, and and I know that many of them have had you know challenges to 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 talk about how they've not been included. You know, so the the question, I'm, I'm, yes, can you hear me? Hello, Mr. Jiman, can you hear me? Hello. Hello, yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear us?
Can you can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, may, may, maybe go, Joe. Yes, okay, maybe you have to come in because I'm having challenges. Yeah. <laughs> so, Whilst my colleague tries to uh, get so can we connect Hello, Koyo. Yes. Yes, can you hear us? Hello, Mr. Ajuna, can you hear us? Okay, so uh, I think I'll. Maybe. Hello, Mr. Ajuna, can you hear us? Yeah, Mr. Gilmore, yes, you wanted to yeah. come in. Um, yeah, I wanted to, to collaborate on the uh, issue of product development. I think what uh, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has taught us really is also to revisit our, our, our product, both in terms of uh, service provision and service excellence, really. That is one area that we are going to be focusing on here in Zimbabwe. Uh, we are actually now subjected to a very discerning uh, interest of, uh, of the traveling public uh, when it comes to those standards which we were referring to earlier on. Uh, that, I mean, even the way the product is designed, you know, the issue of social distancing, for example, is uh, sent a lot of people thinking, how are we going to be designing our restaurants going forward? How are we going to be uh, laying out seats in our cruise boats, in our touring buses and things like that. This is actually going to be a very decisive uh, point in terms of uh, what we are going to be selling. So the product has to be uh, redefined and redesigned uh, of necessity. And that is not going to be uh, a cheap affair. It's going to cost uh, the industry quite a bit. And uh, I think we really need to welcome the moves by different governments to try and uh, come up with uh, rescue and uh, recovery packages for, for the sector. And those that are into disaster management, I think they are talking of uh, building back better. Uh, I mean, we have uh, stopped doing the things we have been doing. And uh, as we resume, I think we must resume at a different level from where we were. And also, in terms of uh, collaboration, I think uh, CISA mentioned it, the issue of the corridors. Right now, it really shows that uh, the markets and the destinations have to be interdependent because what the market does, the destination has to be satisfied with because you are not just going to receive people coming from a market because you need the market. We need also to be happy that uh, the market is not sending us uh, wrong uh, uh, clients. And as we receive them here, there's that skepticism from the markets that uh, the destinations have been doing the right thing uh, during this. And we need to communicate really and seriously to show that Africa as a continent, we have uh, over the years been uh, labeled as a destination uh, that is full of pandemics. And uh, I think uh, the message of COVID-19 uh, shows the world that pandemics are not an African phenomenon. They are not for Africa only, they are for the whole world. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. we have to check <laughs> off uh, that stigma that uh, Africa is uh, a destination for pandemics. And if at all, uh, I think the numbers in Africa are actually a lot lower than the numbers that you're getting elsewhere in the world. So really as a, a continent, as destinations in Africa, the way we now start working together, we don't compete. We actually uh, complement each other so much. Uh, when you look at the people coming from America, we are talking about uh, traffic from America right now. Uh, when they come here, 
they really need to know that they are going to one destination, uh, which, is, uh, which is Africa. And we need now to put those corridors in place. Uh, I think the air connectivity comes to the fore. I mean, we have had a lot of traffic between, uh, for example, Dobek and, uh, and Victoria Falls, I think almost five, six flights a day, right? Uh, but it has to be like that with all the other centers. Uh, people must be able to connect uh, uh, Kenya and, 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 uh, and Zimbabwe, not only the capitals. We are, we are tourism here. We need to be talking about tourism capitals, not uh, the uh, no, political or economic capitals. We need to be talking about the tourism centers, and that's what people are coming for. And uh, we, if we demonstrate that we have been doing enough, and uh, the communication now is of importance, how are we communicating with the markets that we've been doing enough because hello? images that are still going yeah, hello, out. We can hear you. Yeah. yeah so so the images that are still going out are not showing that we are doing a lot we are doing a lot here but we are not demonstrating to the markets that here in south africa in zimbabwe in kenya tanzania there's a lot that is happening we are cleaning up we are sanitizing we are doing all that is necessary in actual fact our protocols are a lot higher uh, than uh, what is happening in other yes. parts of the world. But so, so, you know, just to wrap up, I, I think that what uh, the last topic I want to touch on before we wrap up in the next 10 minutes is about inclusion. And I'll go to Mr. Akwesi Ajiman and then I'll come back to take your part in words. Uh, Mr. Ajiman, are you there? Hello, Lily, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, so there's a point, we are wrapping up in the next 10 minutes and uh, I want to give the opportunity to, you know, respond to inclusion, you know, as part of our product. Now, we all say that we are building up, I mean, we have to build up better. And this is a, an area that people have really, haven't, you know, taken time to, 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 to invest in it because we often go to attraction destinations and there's always a point of, you know, the issue between the destination and the people or expatriate or people who are working in there and what is supposed to be part of a tourism system that promotes inclusion. Do you have inclusion as a, as a core agenda for you at uh, Uganda Tourism? Um, thanks, Kojo. Um, yeah, the, um, the main, the main um, tourism uh, aspect that we are promoting is sustainable tourism, which is, uh, which is, which in takes to consider respect. Um, we, we, are, we are also looking at, uh, I don't know, can you hear me? Yes, you can hear it. Please go ahead. Okay. Um, we are also looking at the aspect of uh, seeing the trend with tourism now, where we see that uh, culture has become, you know, on the top of the agenda, you know, um, both uh, nationally, regionally, and internationally. And so it's another opportunity that we have to be able to develop our tourism better by getting the cultural aspect that includes the local, the local people. And that helps with, um, 
with, uh, with the development of the people benefiting from tourism. And um, in terms of uh, the diversity that is required with this, uh, it, it definitely calls for uh, inclusion, total inclusion. And it is one thing that uh, we definitely promote. And in okay. Uganda, we are currently um, looking at uh, the development of the cultural resource as one of our key agenda, because we have uh, over 52, over 50 different tribes in Uganda and the diversity of the culture is immense. And uh, this should be able, if we, we carefully and properly develop this in a sustainable uh, way, we should be able to see this causing development uh, across the country. No, thank you very much. Uh, Ms. Ajman, are you back? Yes, I'm Can you hear us now? I can hear you perfectly. Okay, uh, I, I, I'm struggling to hear. But uh, what I was saying was that how would technology, okay, be part of your post-COVID on how significant would technology be part, you know, uh, form part of your uh, tourism product and also how you want to come back better? Thank you. I believe, uh, fortunately, uh, it is an opportunity for us to reset our whole tourist infrastructure the way we do things. Uh, we've been some time now, and I think we've used the COVID period to look at the various aspects across the value chain. Training, capacity building, these are things that we could do virtually and also use the opportunity that COVID offers us to now ramp it up. Uh, when it comes to some of the virtual tourism products that we could lay hands on and also ease of access of doing this with the Ministry of Interior and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Um, so that is also another opportunity. Now, when it comes to things like bookings, uh, visibility for various we have any challenges. Um, we did a study as we're doing their things virtually, a man bring them aboard. So eventually, for example, micro sites for tourist sites, uh, lodges, guest houses, hotels, it's something that we are working on. And I hope that uh, by the time we are through this, a whole shift, and like Caesar uh, said, um, we we're looking at reimagining the whole place and also resetting the agenda for digital tourism going forward. Okay, if I may, if I may ask you to, to, to give me your final uh, remark, how would you see tourism in terms of, first of all, the forum of the CEOs, how you can work better to promote intra-Africa, and then how you can ensure that SMEs in tourism have their fair share in Ghana? I think two things, two things for us, the platform for the building bridges for sustainability, and it shouldn't just be the CEOs. The CEOs have started with the ATA 
Hello, Mr. Adiba, can you hear us? I think we haven't challenged the new normal. That's, that's what it is. You know, we can, we can. Yes, the policymakers or the uh, public service, everybody. So that is something that I want us to promote. And that's why we welcome such initiatives like what you have done with the lady. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Please go ahead. I can hear you. Yeah, I was saying, yes, please, yes, I go welcome ahead. the opportunity that we welcome the opportunity of the CEO's forum alone. We need to carry for citing example of, for example, the West African uh, that has to be strengthened now. Uh, let's make sure that, for example, airlines, everybody within the value chain should be part of the conversation. And we welcome such initiatives that you've started with ATA, with the ATLM, the CEOs Forum. It must cut across. And we are quite eager with our own initiative to ensure that it happens thank you okay thank you very much dr betty radier can you can you hear us i can okay uh, if you may you know share with us your last words uh, in terms of how tourism is going to start again and how uh, measures you are putting in place to ensure that you are responding to the needs of the people uh, you know for the traveler tour operator and, 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 and the stakeholders and thank you, Kojo. I think um, what COVID has been, has been able to uh, allow us to do is to review uh, tourism as a whole sector and to review the importance of tourism to economies. So one of the things that uh, we must uh, focus on and put uh, at the center of the conversation in terms of discussions um, of what tourism contributes to the economy is and, and, and basically the prosperity and survival of the different sectors within the economy is to be able to articulate and cite the, 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 the entire value chain and the backward integration that tourism is able to provide. So when we look at, uh, at the moment, we, we will speak around communities, we will speak around uh, the small and medium-sized uh, industry where tourism is concerned. But when you look at it um, from a holistic view, tourism employs more than, uh, in Kenya, for example, tourism will employ more than uh, uh, 3 million people if you look at the forward and backward integration, because you're looking at sectors such as agriculture, manufacturing, construction, IT, insurance, transport, security, banking, self-employment uh, in terms of the, the self-employed people in terms of being able to be providers of, of services to the industry, local communities within our parks and our, and, and, and our conservancies and the reserves. We have a whole group or a whole community of people that are completely reliant on tourism. So I think as, as we move forward, there's the, the cooperation that we need to have 
as a continent and, 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 and as people who are able to, to spur regional tourism and Pan-African tourism, because that has an immediate, an immediate future for us at the moment. But also within our individual economies is to, is to get tourism to be at the center of consideration across the different um, uh, uh, governments and the different uh, players in the market. Uh, so that we get to the point where we, we do not just, just have a community that is centered around tourism, but we partner with people in the other sectors because we are able to impact uh, their businesses as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Givmore, can you give me your last words and what should uh, people in Zimbabwe, the tourism community, expect and how do you intend to come back? Uh, can you, um, thank you very much, Coach. Yeah, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity and uh, maybe before we uh, separate, I want to thank my colleagues for all the discussions that we've had. Uh, it's a parting short, uh, Kojo. Uh, we miss the tourists, right? Uh, and when, when you, have, you don't have something, that's when you realize how important they are. And this is my parting shot is we've gone back to factory settings because of uh, COVID-19. Uh, people now realize how important the customer is, how important the tourist is. Because when they were there, we were taking them for granted. And as um, a parting shot, I want to say, uh, let's revere these uh, visitors when they uh, come to our places, our destinations, our businesses, by providing them excellent service, because really they are important to us. For our economies, for our jobs, we have seen that, I mean, the absence of tourists means the absence of uh, uh, business and means the loss of jobs. And we hope that policymakers and our governments and uh, everyone who has got any decision to make about tourism realizes that uh, even demand for goods and services. Right now we've got farmers that have been producing chickens and potatoes and everything. They don't have adequate markets to sell those uh, produce yes. to because of the absence of the additional demand that is uh, produced by the tourism sector. And I think the importance of the tourism sector has to be underlined and this is demonstrated really that uh, we really need them and we need to make an effort to uh, ensure that we've got traffic coming into our district. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Gizmog. Chizizi. Uh, Lily, if you may share with us what uh, tourism in Uganda looks or what you anticipate uh, tourism in uh, Uganda would look like post-COVID. Uh, thank you, Kojo. Um, First, to start with, uh, we know that um, we are all equally Hello? Hello, Lily? With the new factor, most uh, important factor for travelers. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Please go ahead. Continue. Yeah, I was saying um, hygiene, health and safety has become a topmost factor and it's, uh, it's very important uh, that we all put in place the necessary measures uh, to build back the confidence in our recovery strategy 
uh, we need to make sure that that is adequately covered. And uh, we also are oblivious to how much the <clears throat> how much the confidence of the travelers have been impacted. So, so we need to continue um, our sharing inspirational messages about our our destinations uh, to 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 keep the travelers out there inspired about the destinations that. Uh, they're missing to visit and uh, should be able to visit as soon as they're able to. Um, and um, what does it look like for Uganda? I think, uh, I, I believe that uh, there are just four key things for us um, that uh, we are working on that should help us relaunch the destination. And one of them is uh, providing support to the private sector because uh, the private sector are the, uh, are the drivers of the tourism sector. So they need our support, especially as government, so that they can be able to get back onto business and uh, be able to provide uh, the services that are required in, in the tourism sector. Uh, two, um, there's need to diversify the products. We need okay. to... Uh, increase on our product offers. Three, we need to enhance the standards. Just like we have said, the new, there is the new, the new factor into play. We need to make sure that um, the staff in the in the hotel uh, sector, the two the the tour guides, everybody in the the players in the sector gets to be reskilled and also have their, 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 their standards improved further to meet the new demands. And okay. um, is the communication. Um, we need to communicate and communicate and communicate, but also one key thing is that uh, right now, as some of us are locked, uh, locked down in our homes, uh, the digital, you know, platform becomes uh, the key way of communicating. Okay. So very important that we all do that. And with those four factors, I think we will be ready to relaunch tourism in Uganda, the part of Africa. Okay, thank you very much. Sisa, if you may have the last say, and I, I, you know, I want to ask a question. We received a lot of questions about when, when people can travel back again to South Africa for for leisure travel and all of that. And, and I mean, we know from your adjusted strategy and what, what the president said yesterday, we, we it's, you know, they're, they're going by the signs and the fact that what South African tourism keeps on doing or what can you tell people in terms of when you can, because now yesterday there was a cap of 50, if I'm, if I'm right, on events, you know, and what that means for the mice sector. Yes, thank you. Um, I think again, you know, we want to open up tourism when it is safe to do so. Safe for the employees, safe for the citizens, and safe for visitors as well. So I think that encapsulates everything there. Uh, if I had to have a wish list of some things that I wish could be done <laughs> as we gear up uh, towards opening that. the sector, yeah, is a couple of things. One is open skies. Right. I think as a continent, I don't know how many declarations we've signed from Yamasuka, everything else, but we've never actually implemented it. I think now is the time 
to actually implement an open skies. We need to be connected right across the board. The second one is that, ironically enough, now is the time for the SME to shine purely because of what the modern-day COVID traveler is looking for. They're looking for smaller, they're looking for more spacious. So therefore, suddenly, the big hotels are no longer attractive, right? People are looking for open spaces. They're looking for smaller establishments. And I think the SMEs can play such a pivotal role in that space. Linked to that, I think, is what Betty had talked about, is that we've got to profile ourselves as more than just safari and the beach, essentially. How do we bring more of ourselves into the people, the flavors, the culture, the activities? And I think all of that lends in itself. The world is looking for immersion, not just snapping at fancy pictures and walking away, but they want to immerse themselves, life-changing experiences. We have that in abundance. and I think the time is now there. Then lastly, using digital technology as an enabler, how then do you profile a small rural lodge, right, um, to the world, to the continent, to domestically, you know, and using such platforms in order to link up those people that are looking for those bespoke personal activities on that side. And then lastly, you know, my message to the continent is that, again, the numbers speak for themselves. We only have 5% of global market share of tourism, and we also have the lowest um, spend by tourists anywhere in the world. So we've got to get those numbers looking at the right direction, right? So tourists do come, but they spend less on the continent than they do anywhere else in the world. And then how then do we start to say, well, uh, you know, we increase that spend by each tourist. And I think we do that from collaborating, but also increasing the length of stay as an example. So if someone only comes to South Africa, they must spend 10 days. But if we can add on more activities in the block, suddenly 10 days become 15 days and the expenditure also increases. This is, a, this is, this, this is business, right? This is um, uh, also trade, right? Tourism is about trade in itself because Everything. it lends itself to balance of payments, you know, from the perspective. Earning hard currency into our economies is part of what you should be focusing on. And I think if we can get those right, um, certainly the future is bright for the continent. Thank you. Thank you, Sisa. Thank you, Mr. Gizmo. Uh, thank you, Dr. Betty Radier, Lilia Jarova, Mr. Chris Yajiman, and I'd like to say thank you for your time. It's been two hours of uh, uh, informative, insightful, and things that you are doing in your respective countries. The Tourism CEO's Town Hall is an, an uh, initiative between our South Africa and ATA, and where we what we seek to achieve is to be able to bring the conversation to our people and, and ensure that people have the first-hand information, filter them, and ensure that uh, they have much information to be able to decide and see what's happening. Thank you once again, and to meet again, have a lovely afternoon and have a great weekend. Bye-bye.